Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Happy Father's Day, amen? Happy Father's Day. We warmed up the, the room a little bit. We not leave it like that because some people are cold. We warmed up the room a little bit for you all because we know some of you are wet and um, it was nice and cold in here. So you could give God some praise for that too that we care for. <laughs> amen, amen. I was, um, uh, I was honored um, to, to, to just hear that, that everything has gone well this last week with Sunday and Wednesday's um, worship service and and um, what, what an awesome team and family we have here that life continues and, and we continue to serve the Lord and it, it, I had a great time spending time with the family and, and having just some vacation time and, and thank you guys. Thank you guys for being here today. The rain didn't scare you. You are, you are 100% certified South Floridians. I will say Miamians, but I know when I say Miamians, some of you guys are like, no, I'm Fort Lauderdarian, Fort Lauderdarian, and I'm a Miramarian, and so, you know, I don't want to offend anyone, but, but I'm a Hialeian. Don't ever compare a Hialeian to Miamian. I get it. So South Floridians, you know, give you a hand, and we honor you for being here today, and I know God has a word to bless you today. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of faces here, a lot of men uh, that, are, that I see here, some new faces, some that I haven't seen in a while. And um, I would like to just remind you, we, had, we canceled this last Saturday because of the weather, and we're praying for great weather for the following Saturday to come. And we're going to be um, having a men's gathering, and, and, it's, and it's been fun. And we just want to invite all of you on Saturday at 9 a.m. It's the park on Miami Lakes uh, Drive on 154th Street in between the, is it a CVS? Between the CVS um, and the Starbucks, where the CVS and the Starbucks is, right there on 154th, um, we could join us there at 9 o'clock. If you do not have our text messaging system with our cancellations and what's going on throughout the week, like this week is busy. We've got a bunch of stuff going on this, um, this week. Man, I, I can't encourage you enough um, to go on our app and turn on your notifications so that you could get um, the text messages of... Um, of everything that's going on throughout the week and the month, especially now in the summer. A lot of things are different in the summer, and you know that. So we send a lot of messages out in the summer. So make sure you turn on your notifications. Amen? Amen. Praise God. All right, I want to get into the Word finally. And um, hopefully you're ready to take notes, and hopefully you could take out your Bible, and um, we could dive into the Scripture together. I believe God is going to encourage us, and He's going to challenge us. I don't think there's ever a time when we'd open up the Word of God that the Word of God doesn't challenge us. If, if it doesn't, then I think we're reading it wrong. Or I think we're applying it wrong. <laughs> if we're just, oh, I don't know, I didn't really get anything out. Maybe, maybe you need some guidance and instruction in, in what you're doing there. So I believe that today it's going to challenge us, encourage us, it's going to strengthen us. And it's also going to push some of the dads that are here forward. So I want to go ahead and start off by saying this. It's a, it's a, it's a message for the whole entire church. Um, but in a, a lot of it, I'm going to focus on, on the dads as well. And, uh, but yet, bless you, but everything, everything that we say towards dads could be applied to every single one of us, 
whether you're not a father yet, whether you're a mom, um, male, female, across the room, it, it, it's going to bless you. So today's message is titled as such, and if you remember from Mother's Day, we spoke about He Chose Moms. How many of you remember that? He Chose Moms. Awesome wonder. That's where that came from. Awesome wonder started from He Chose Moms. Today's message is titled, He Chose Dads. Very creative, right? I thought it was good. I thought I was like, why, why, why change it if we came up with something great for moms? He chose dads. Can you look at your dad and say, I thank God for choosing you to be my dada. Wow. Your dad feels so loved right now. <laughs> oh, my God. So on this Father's Day, I want to encourage all of you and bless you. I'm going to bless the children that did not just say that to their dads, that hopefully by the end of the service they'll say that to their dads. Can I get an amen, daddies? All right. For Mother's Day, as we spoke on that last month and we shared He Chose Moms, we spent time um, specifically discussing the awesome wonder, the importance of the role that mothers play in carrying God's greatest creation, which is humanity. I told you a month ago and the weeks after that, um, that God really cares for humanity. He cares for human life. And it, it boggles me what this world has become when it comes to human life and the whole abortion movement and all these different things. Um, I definitely stand for life. I hope you do too. Amen? And we, t we, we spent time speaking about that awesome wonder that is, that is created there in, in the womb and, and, and what an important role mothers play in carrying God's greatest creation. But today, I want to continue on this thought, on this thought which we've been discussing really for weeks, which is awesome wonder. And, um, and I don't want to discredit fathers, so I wanted to make sure because it was Father's Day that dads know that they're not of less importance. Fathers are not of less importance. I would hope that all the daddies right there would say amen and give some praise to the Lord for that one. Um, together, yes, with moms, God has entrusted us, dads, fathers, and he has given us a wonderful ministry that carries weight, great responsibility, and that is family, the word family. Family is huge to the Lord. It's big in scripture. Um, the unit, the, the family unit is, is part of God's plan for this world. Do you guys know that? When he created Adam and Eve, he said to what? Go and create Family, be fruitful and multiply, establish family. In scripture, we've seen many examples of families gone bad and families gone or stayed well. I don't know how you want to say that, but you've seen well-rooted families and then you've seen families that were not rooted properly or, 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 or unrooted themselves in truth and it became disastrous. We see, we see that all throughout scripture. So I, I want to focus on, on some important things today. Moms, moms being, being God's creation themselves, we, talked, we said that they carry, they carry and they give birth yet to God's greatest creation, that of a human being. But know, as we get into this today, that he also chose dads. He chose dads. You see, I said that moms carry, and they carry a seed that is so important to the Lord. But we always forget that the 
responsibility of planting that seed belongs to the Father. So what, uh, what I mean by that is that, yes, a woman could give labor and birth, which is important, but the man's role is to also be that of a gardener, which is to even plant. Amen? And God gave fathers the responsibility to plant. And if it wasn't, think about a tree. If it wasn't for planting, there would be no enjoyment of the fruit that a tree brings forth. We all could marvel at the child when it is born and marvel at the tree when it gives forth its fruit. But it started with a planting of the seed in the ground and the labor of that which brought forth the beautiful tree that gives its delicious fruit. Amen? So there's a process to that beauty. There's a process to that deliciousness. And it started with a farmer or it started with someone out in the field or, 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 or wherever it is in the backyard that first thought about, let me go buy that and plant that into the ground and see what comes from it. And I believe that this physical demonstration of planting and growth represents something great. And what I mean by that is something spiritual. So when I speak about planting, I'm going to go way beyond the physical and I'm going to speak to you about your planting um, um, when it comes to the spiritual things. Because that's what's very important. Fathers plant and are to be faithful in planting. And God, we know in scripture, is the one who brings forth growth and fruit from loving and persevering and faithful planting. I'll say that again, that fathers plant and are to be faithful in planting, but God is the one that will bring in your faithful, loving, persevering planting, God will bring growth and maturity to that which you're working hard at. Dads, Amen. in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul says something important. He says that he plants, and then he mentions a co-laborer by the name of Apollos. He says, I Paul plant, Apollos, my co-labor, waters, but God gave the increase. And, and Paul speaks of that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Here am I and my brother. Here we are together. One is planting and one is watering. What are they both doing? They're doing the work of a gardener. They're taking care of that which has been put into the ground. So that what? So that in that faithfulness, persevering, and in that labor, they would be what? Rewarded for it. And God will bring forth its growth and its fruits. I, I plant and my man over here is watering, but the glory belongs to the Lord. Is what Paul is saying. So I love when we dedicate children to the Lord. The dad planted, the woman gave birth, but the glory belongs to the Lord. It's the gospel message. The child is the responsibility on earth, but the spiritual reality of it, that child, the glory belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. So what do we do? We dedicate it before a witness of people. We dedicate it to the Lord. And we say, this is yours for your glory, O oh Lord. Do as you please with my child. Paul's life as a spiritual father was a continual, I don't know, I don't see anyone in scripture where he had physical sons. But all over scripture, he called out to many spiritual sons. 
We see that in scripture to my sons and, and, he, and we see that he is a father to many spiritual sons and he was a continual and he was continually faithfully planting. Why? Because of his love for Christ and his love for the church of Christ, for, the, for his church. And I believe that as fathers, planting doesn't just have to do with, oh, I gave them good advice already. I think it's so much more than just giving good advice. As a, you see how all of this could mean more than just fathers? As a, as a Christian, as one who carries the word of God in them, it's more than just, oh, I already gave them good advice. It's not just about giving them good advice, but that your life lived out pouring each day to the spiritual, physical, and emotional needs of your children. No? Our, our duty is not, is not just to feed them. Physically, but spiritually, emotionally. Like, think about that for a moment. Our duty is to, that our lives are poured out and that we are reaching and touching those important things of their lives, the spiritual, physical, and emotional needs of our children. It is very important, and I believe this with all of my heart. It is godly families. It's God-fearing families is what changes the world. I believe that it's god Godly families that will change the world. I believe it's that, the unit of godly families that will change what needs to be changed here. All right, I'm going to stay on, on my notes. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6, there's a Proverbs there and it says this. I, I, w- I really want you to catch this because I caught it and it really meant something to me when I read it. It says, children's children. Who's that already? That's the grandchildren, right? Children's children are the crown of old men. I've always wondered how a grandparent could say, I love your child more than you love them. That's weird to me. But I guess I'm not a grandparent yet, so I won't know what it feels like when my own child has its own child, has their own child. I called my child an it. Sorry about that. Has their own child. Sometimes it's an it. But today's fathers, they were honored and we love them. And today he's a loving son and she's a loving daughter. Children's children are the crown of old men. Isn't that beautiful? Any grandfathers here today? Children's children. Amen. Is that true, Abuelo? Eveda? Children's children are the crown of all men. But I like the second part of this verse. And the glory of children is their father. Wow, man. That stuff just makes me want to cry when I read that. I feel like a lot of issues in this world is because of fatherless children. I really do feel that. I feel a lot of the issues that we have here is because there's not men and there's not fathers that are doing the job that they need to do. I, I really believe that. And when I read scripture and it says that the glory of my own son and the glory of my own daughter is their father, I feel the weight of that and said, my God, there is so much more responsibility than maybe I'm, I'm showing forth with my role as dad for my kids. 
The glory of children is their father. Maybe this makes sense in a book called The Father's Presence by Dennis Rainey. I'm going to quote him for a moment. He says this. What a boy can use and too often doesn't have are the heart of his father and the fellowship of men. A boy needs at least one man who pays attention to him, spends time with him, and admires him. A boy needs a role model, a man whom he can regard as a mentor. Children's children are the crown of old men. And the glory of children is their father. Come on, dads. Can I speak to the dads for a moment? Come on, dads. Future dads. Scripture's, I'm not talking about you. Scripture's talking about you. The most important things, dads, that you can do for yourself and for your family is to is to make hearing the word of God one of the greatest priorities of your life, of the lives of your own children. Our children must learn the importance of hearing and knowing the word of God. Hearing and knowing and obeying the word is critical to their spiritual growth and walk with God and to our ability as parents and to the lives of our children, hearing and obeying the word of God. How many of you could say amen to that? Paul Tan, he, he, uh, he writes this, and I want to share this with you. It says, a little girl with shining eyes and little face aglow said, Daddy, it is almost time for Sunday school. Let's go. They teach us there about Jesus' love and how he died, that we might all have everlasting life by trusting in him. Oh, no, said Daddy, not today. I have worked so hard all the week. I'm going to the woods and to the creek. There I can relax and rest. I must have one day to rest, and fishing is fine, they say. So run along. Don't bother me. We'll go to church some other day. Months and years passed, but Daddy hears the plea no more. Let's go to Sunday school. Those childish years are over, and that Daddy is growing old. And when life is almost through, he finds time to go to church. But what does his daughter do? She says, oh, no, Daddy, not today. I stayed up almost all last night, and I've got to get some sleep. I don't know, that just tickled me a little bit. Why? Because I, I read this, and I thought this was so important, according to that little article there. Woodrow Wilson, who was president at one point of Princeton University, he spoke these words to a parent group in a meeting. Don't miss this. He says, I get many letters from you parents about your children. You want to know why we people up here in Princeton can make more out of them and do more for them? Well, let me tell you the reason why we can't. It may shock you just a little, but I'm not trying to be rude. The reason is that they are your sons, reared in your homes, blood of your blood, bone of your bone. They've absorbed the ideals of your homes. You formed them and you fashioned them. They are your sons. In those malleable, moldable years of their lives, you have forever left your imprint upon them. Come on. Let me say this one more time here for a moment. The glory of children is their father. Any of you with me today? Yes. All right. Every one of us is called to impact another. There is no Christian on earth that is not called to impact. I feel like I'm in the wrong church today. <laughs> I get dropped off in the wrong island here? In the wrong, I'm not in an island no more. In, a, in the wrong country over here? 
Every one of us is called to impact someone else. Amen? And don't forget and don't neglect, and I'm, we're, so, we're so keen to this, right? The next generation. And fathers, don't forget that he chose you to participate and be responsible in such a high call and being dad. In Proverbs 22.6, such a famous scripture that is always quoted. I, 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 you want to know a little inside, inside pet peeve of mine? I don't know sometimes if this backfires on me or not, but I guess I feel very comfortable here today. But whenever someone says, you know, the scripture says to train up a child in the way he should go, and he should never depart from it. I get this tickling feeling deep down inside of my soul whenever someone quotes that to me. Because I'm wondering if when that is quoted to me, do people even know what that really means? To train up a child in the way they should go, and when he's old, he will never depart from it. It's a very popular verse. It's a very important scripture. Charles Spurgeon used to preach from this passage, and, and when Charles Spurgeon used to preach from it, he was very known to say this. In the middle of him reading the verse, Charles Spurgeon, who if you don't know that, he was called um, he, um, the prince of preachers. Charles Spurgeon was known for preaching such intense messages that the pews had fingernail marks because the people in the pews were, were, were engraving their, their fingernails into the pews and sitting forward listening to every word, every syllable that came out of Charles Spurgeon's mouth. I would have loved to hear the prince of preachers preach, but he would always say this when he preached on Proverbs 22.6. He would say, train up a child in the way he should go. And then he would add something. He says, but be sure that you go that way yourself. <laughs> it's so Charles Spurgeon to say that because it's not just about train up a child and he'll never depart from it it's train up a child and you better be on that same journey because if not that child is going to learn hypocrisy if not and you're going to confuse that child and cause more harm upon that child than any good so if you're going to train up a child in the way he should go you better make sure that you too are on the same path and on the same journey that you're leaving footsteps so that child can follow and say I want to be just like daddy the way he follows God I follow him and that's what Spurgeon was trying to say You know, Ephesians 6, 4, it kind of echoes Proverbs 22, 6. When, when Paul writes to the Ephesus church, he says, fathers. Everyone say fathers. fathers. Come on, say it like you mean it. Fathers. fathers. And Paul says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. But what? What do I do then? You bring them up in training and admonition of the Lord. Don't cause your sons to be angry. And don't cause them to be so tough all the time. But cause them to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and obeying to the word of God. Oh, son, here's a pack of condoms. This will make you a man. No. Oh, son, here's the word of God. This will make you a man. Train up a child right. All right. And I provoke them to wrath. But, but what do I do then? You train them up. You bring them up in the training and in the admonition of the Lord. You bring them up in the what? What does this word mean? In the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. That is more than just good advice. That is more than, son, I don't think you should go. Girl, I don't think. You, that's more than just good advice. 
It's who are you to tell me when you don't even follow that advice? Yeah, but I'm your dad. I know more than you. Well, you don't know your own advice. I'm a Christian. I know what's right. But you don't know your own advice. And this is so important. As Paul, I'm just, Paul's poking at you. Not me today. It's just the word of God doing what the word of God does. Not me today. Heard them say, oh, I'm not going to say that. But train up a child in the way he should go. Amen. Could be better said or better written if you break down in its proper language. Discipline and instruct the child in the way he should go. Because training deals with discipline and instruction. Meaning that our responsibility in this longevity as, a, as parents and as Christians in this world, it's not just to give advice or to preach a good game, but it's also to, to get in the ground with them, to get in the dirt with them and discipline and instruct. This, there's a responsibility in, in, and, and there's a faithfulness and there's a longevity and it's like calling fathers like farmers and they're, they're, he's calling fathers out like they're gardeners and farmers. And what I mean by this is that with each day and with each conversation and with each reaction, with every word that spills out of our mouths, we are planting, we are planting, we are planting. I said something yesterday and I caught myself in the middle of the couch. My son hit me in a place where no man should ever be hit. And I said, oh, so stupid. And, and you know, stupid is a good word that came out when I got hit in a place where no man should be hit before you judge me for calling it stupid. And my son looked at my wife and said, dad called me stupid. And I felt horrible at that moment. And I know I, my wife saw that I felt bad because she didn't, um, 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 what's the word? Rebuke her husband? Correct her husband? Advise her husband? Reprimand her husband? It's a good word. But, but, but the reality was, my, my words have power, and, and, and I, oh, stupid, you know, uh, that was a dumb thing to do. And he's like, you call me stupid? I said, no, the whole thing was stupid, that you would hit me there. It was just stupid, it was dumb. Not that you're stupid, it was stupid. Like, you don't hit that there, it was stupid. But I love you, I love you. <laughs> But with each conversation, every reaction, every word that spills from our mouths, what are we doing? We're planting, we're pouring, we're planting in the lives who those, not just your sons, but those who look at you for leadership. Because maybe you're the only Christian in that job. And maybe you're the only Christian in your family. And maybe you're the only Christian in your neighborhood. And trust me when I tell you that there's eyes looking at you. And there's ears listening to you. And they're watching your footsteps. They're watching your actions. They're hearing your words. And Everything that you do and say and how you live is demonstrating, it's pouring. I'm telling you that you're planting with your life. Well, you know, no one can judge me. Get those phrases out. Get, get all those phrases that justify you to live like this world out of your mind, out of your heart, out of your spirit. And recognize that no, you are in this world yet not of it for a reason, for a purpose, for a call with a wonderful responsibility to the children and the generation under you and to all the eyes that are witnessing you. And that is you are a gardener, you are a planter, you are planting God's word with every part of your being. 
We're training up. Say training up. Training up. So are we training up? With the understanding, look, this is what I wrote down. Are, are we training up with the understanding that is more to do, that this is more to do with the biblical and spiritual instruction than it is to do with our own standards in order for their growth and maturity? Are we training up with this understanding that it's more to do with biblical and spiritual instruction than it is about cuando yo tenía la edad tuya. Tú sabes que el padre mío una vez me hizo esto. Good, I get it. But we don't raise them by our own standards, but by his biblical and glorious standard. We're training up with that understanding. Amen. The next thing I wrote down is this. Are we training up, this is so important, with the sensitivity of spiritual discipline? Which, what do I mean by this? Which is sensitive to discover scriptural truth in disciplining. Scriptural truth in disciplining. Not necessarily our manhood or our past, like I just said, or our background, but as Proverbs 22 really means it. To train up with godly discipline. To train up with godly instruction. And that will help form them in what God has called them to be. How many of you could say amen? Come on, I'm talking to every single person now here. Dads, take it a little bit heavier on you today. But I'm, taking it, I'm talking to everyone here for a moment. It's not just about learning Bible stories. Do you know that it's not even just about memorizing scripture? I know I said that from up here. Anyone can memorize anything. It's not about learning Bible stories, though it's good. It's not just about memorizing scriptures, though it's good. But that Christ and his scriptures, listen, will affect the spiritual, emotional, and moral well-being of each child or of each person that you're called to lead. Yeah? Let's not be so busy that we lose the gift don't be so busy that you lose the gift to be sensitive to your children or to the ones that you lead to others. What I mean by that is, I, I don't know, I could have written maybe 10 questions, but I wrote some thoughts down. I said this, ready? When something happens, when something's occurring, as, 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 as more mature spiritual leaders, what's the question? We don't say, good, good. I'm so tired of him. I'm so tired of her. They deserve it. But maybe the question could be as this. How can they see God's hand in this? And how will our lives teach our child that God's hand is in the middle of this? There's a different sensitivity there, isn't there? How can they better hear God's voice through this? How can we, how can I, let me speak of myself, how can I help them encounter his presence in the middle of this? I think those are some important questions for myself. How can I help my child, my children who are in the back room there, how can I better help my children see God's hand better working in their lives? How can I help my children better hear God's voice? And how can I help them encounter his presence better? 
I feel like a lot of that has to do with parenting. A lot of that has to do with my modeling. And it's got to get to a point where we instruct them and we show them something, a model, so that they could follow it, not just to become religious, but that they could follow it because they could desire, if they do this and hear from God, if I do this, I'm going to be listening. I'm going to be reading so that I could hear and see from God as well. So special. I hope that means a lot to you today. How will we instruct and be disciplined in training up others? And yes, our very own children for those who are parents. But the most important thing is this. You should write this down. With Christ being the center. Not first. Don't put Christ first. Put Christ as the center. Because if he's the center, everything's getting rooted out of him, from him. Don't put him in a list that pushes him away when you get to number three. But put him in the center so that the whole list is rooted in him. Christ-centered families raising, listen, Christ-centered children. Christ-centered families raising Christ-centered children that when they're older, their decisions, their thoughts, their relationships will then be influenced by your persevering faithfulness in bringing them up in the discipline and instruction in the Lord. Wow. He chose dads. All the dads in the, in the house. I have something to tell you. Amen. I have something to tell you. You ready? I'll take that as a yes. Dads, I'm talking to you. What's going on? All the dads in the house, you ready? All right. Here's my advice. Keep planting. I'm not necessarily telling you to have more children. Remember, we changed that. We went spiritual. In the beginning of the message, keep planting. You have an amazing responsibility. You have an amazing... I'm just waiting for God to call me into ministry. Are you kidding me? Your ministry began. <laughs> ministry. It's your great ministry. Amen? He chose that. Keep planting. Hey, D.L. Moody. I'm going to quote two of, I'm going to share two of his, I'm going to quote him twice. I believe the family was established long before the church. You know what? I, I am in agreement with D.L. Moody. Before the church was ever planted in the book of Acts, it was already being formed in the book of Genesis. So he gave us the, the model of family before he ever gave us a model of church. <laughs> okay, I could take that so many different ways, but I'm trying to see if I want to end the message soon or not. All right. I, 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 believe the family, I believe the family was established long before the church. And my duty is to my family first. I am not to neglect my family. He goes on to say this. A man ought to live so that everybody knows he's a Christian. And most of all, his family ought to know. So good. So good. When you say things like that, 
And they'll establish a whole institution and the, the whole university after you. Moody Institute up in Chicago. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 3. Let's get into more scripture. Paul is writing to Timothy who is a son to Paul. And look what Paul tells a young spiritual son like Timothy. I'm going to read verse 14 and 15 real quick in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says this. But you must continue. Everyone say continue. That means remain faithful. You must continue. You must remain faithful. In the things which you have learned and the things you've been assured of, knowing from where or from, or from whom you have learned them. Doesn't this sound like a daddy? You better be sure of who you learned it from. He's talking like a dad. Remain faithful in the things you've learned. Why? Because Timothy was living in a time that what, that which was taught to the church and that which was taught to him, many false teachers were coming in and were teaching other things that sounded good and were leading many astray. And, Tim, and Paul says, you better make sure you continue in the stuff that you were taught and who taught it to you. And he's talking about himself specifically here. Verse 15 is so important. Look what he says here. He continues on this thought. And in verse 15, Paul says, the things that you've learned, right? Watch what he says next. And that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you what? Wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The New Living says it this way. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. From childhood, you've known the scriptures. And they're able to make you wise for the salvation through faith which is in Christ. This childhood here can be describing specifically to Timothy a spiritual maturity that he's come to. That one is to go through, right, in the Lord from childhood to adulthood. And it could also be used from, from, from children in their adolescent years to growing into maturity into adulthood years. I see this scripture as Paul speaking to Timothy from a spiritual immaturity to now growing into a more mature um, spirituality. And what I love about Paul's writing here is he's writing to Timothy who's a son to him and he considers him a son. And his desire for Timothy, I don't know if you see this, it's for son Timothy to be wise. Use wisdom in the call that God's called you to. Because Timothy is a very young pastor of a congregation. And Paul is encouraging his spiritual son, use wisdom, be wise. And what does he say? There is a way to wisdom. Did everyone catch that? I'll read it again. That from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise. The Holy Scriptures doesn't necessarily make you wise, but the Holy Scriptures has the ability to make you wise. It doesn't automatically make you wise, but they're able to make you wise. It's all about what you do with that in which you've learned. A lot of times you could grab that which you've learned and you could show and demonstrate more immaturity than you do maturity with that which you're learning from. Listen, knowledge doesn't bring forth wisdom. It's knowing how to apply knowledge that brings forth wisdom. Wisdom is, wisdom is, it's like, I always talk about like Solomon when I go into wisdom. I guess for a reason because he uses wisdom so much in the scripture. But, but, but wisdom is, is so important. And here's Paul, and he's writing to a son about wisdom. And Paul tells Timothy, where did it all begin, begin or began at? It began where? At childhood. 
from his early state of Christendom, from his early state, or even the ability, when you look at at, at this, when, when you look at this passage, maybe it's even the ability that a Christian family has to when they begin from the adolescent years, I think about my son and my daughter. I'm like, wait a minute. I have the ability to do this. That from childhood, they could grow in wisdom by the teaching of the scriptures and by teaching them how to operate faith. And that they could grow in that wisdom. And, and we've been instructed the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Maybe some of you from childhood. I remember when I was a little kid, I was going to like, um, how many of you remember this stuff? I'm going to take you way back. How many of you remember Royal Rangers? None of you, a few of you. I was in Royal Rangers. I went camping with, with these people, and they ended up being pretty cool. And, you know, they give you patches. I wasn't the best with my hands. I didn't know. I struggled with making the knots. But I loved the marshmallows at night, the campfires, and, and the capture of the flags with the different... I, I, from childhood, at least, at least if my parents didn't know how to do it, well, let's stick them in an institution that could help them. <laughs> and then they finally got it. And hey, amen, he's loved my father. You know? But from childhood, that, that's where the process here started. We've been instructed the Holy Scriptures from childhood, which will lead us to eventually operate in faith in Christ Jesus. And much of wisdom, we know this, we've learned this, we've taught this, comes from experiences. What do I mean? Encountering them and surviving experiences. Many people encounter, but never, and, and they've left those experiences, but just because you've exited an experience does not mean you've survived the experience. Because some of you still live in the trauma of a past experience. That's not the experience's fault. That's the immaturity's fault. That does not want to operate in wisdom. What I mean is that God wants to take you through an experience. Why? Because if you grow in wisdom through that experience, you might be sitting to the person right next to you that needs a conversation that comes deep from inside of you because of the experience that you entered and you survived. And your story might be their story and until you don't open your life up for that person your story will never impact that story all right let me get back into this for a second much of wisdom comes from experiencing encountering them and not just exiting them but surviving them amen but do you enter the experiences with what let's get to the very important things the most important things with the holy scriptures do we enter experiences with holy scripture and faith when you exit that encounter, is the scripture so important? That's the, the, the vital in what I'm saying here today. When you exit the encounter, is the scripture, the word of God, has it grown deeper in you? And has your faith grown and matured stronger in you? Are you seeing that? I'm not taking away from the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is rooted in that experience. We, we, we despair. We display it with our lives, or at least we are to. I love like when Joseph was, I, I love when Joseph was in the den or when Joseph was in prison or when Joseph was being accused of rape, he still remembered, I had a dream and no one, <laughs> and he had the word of God in him. And no one was going to strip him from the word of God. Listen, you could accuse me of rape. You could throw me in prison. You could throw me in the den and say that I was killed. But it does not matter. I know I had a dream. And I saw those guys bowing down to me. And I even saw the sun and the moon bowing down to me. God is putting me somewhere. 
And he did not let go of that word which God gave him. He took it through his experiences. And, and because he had the word of God, listen, because he had the word of God in him and the faith in him through it, he was what? He didn't just exit the experience, he survived it. See, you must continue, remain faithful in the things which you've learned and that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. We live through this process. We are put on display for all to see. What am I trying to say? Remain faithful. Why? He chose you. What do you mean he chose you dads as well? He chose you. To, to what? To display. To be a what? A, a display for the a display for the world to see. I know. You never thought that he would have done that in your life, huh? You're like a runway model. <laughs> Smile. The cameras are flickering. You're a runway model. He's, he's put you on display. To display what? To display the scriptures. Is that biblical? Yes. Because what does he say? You are what? Living epistles. What does that mean? They read you before they ever read that book on your lap. You're a living epistle. So when you're on the runway, they're just reading you. <laughs> just smile and do the turn. And for those that, this, that rather not look at like a model, you rather make it um, a bodybuilding, just pose for the camera, you know, and whatever. You're on display to display the Holy Scriptures with faith. Where, when, in all circumstances. Doing what? Pouring wisdom into what? Into future generations that are what? That are watching and following you. I'm going to say it one last time and then I'm going to jump out of here. To display the scripture with faith in all circumstances, pouring wisdom into future generations that are watching and following you. Amen? I love what George Herbert said. He was an Anglican priest and he was also a poet. He says this, one father is more than a hundred schoolmasters. I don't know. I'll just let that sit in your heart for a moment. Every night before I go to bed, we pray, me and my son, and before I end it, and when I forget it, he reminds me, he says, Dad, you didn't say the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge thing. <laughs> and he always reminds me because it's become a ritual. And if you want to steal this from the Fig family, you're more than welcome to steal it. But there's a purpose why I've done this, because I'm going to have a great conversation with my children when they get older. This is a verse that I, I confess, I profess, yeah. I profess with my children every night, especially my son right now, every night, since he was maybe two years old. Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4, says this, through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Every night before my son goes to bed, we say, we, I say this and he repeats after me. I say, Lord, give me all the wisdom. Give me all the understanding and all the knowledge for each day. Amen. And one day he's going to say, Dad, why do you pray that? And I'm going to open up to Proverbs. I'm going to say, take out your Bible. Open up to Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. And I want to teach you why since you were two years old, we've been praying for wisdom. We've been praying for understanding. And we've been praying for knowledge. Because we're building a house. We're establishing it. And we want to fill this house with riches, with godly riches. And for all these three things, you need knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And the, you know where all that begins? Guess where I'm going to take them? The beginning of all wisdom, the beginning of all understanding. What is it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of our knowledge. Lord, give me all the wisdom. All the knowledge. And understanding. For each day. Amen. I'm going to wrap it up. I have so much more to say, but um, as the worship team comes up, I have maybe two more passages and we'll end it. You know, Proverbs 22, the one that is so famously um, quoted all the time. It, you know which I'm talking about? Can anyone read it out loud and loud enough so that the mic could pick it up so that those that are listening to it on podcast could hear it? Who wants to be the daring one? Who wrote notes? Who knows which Proverbs I'm talking about? Proverbs 22, verse what? Verse 6. Anyone loud enough want to read it? Go ahead. I'd be my guest. Be our guest. Be brave. And a father did it. A dad. Hey, brave dad. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from you. Beautiful. Thank you. That passage in Proverbs 22.6 may have come from, a lot of biblical scholars believe this. It may have come from the covenant that was made, um, that God had made, sorry, with Abraham, in, actually in Genesis 18. Can I read to you Genesis 18 where that passage probably came from? I hope this blesses you like it blessed me when I read it. In Genesis 18, verse 19, it says this. For I have known him. This is God speaking to his servant Abraham. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. I've known him so that his children, his household could follow him. Because if he's right and they follow him, I know he's good because he's what? He's following who? He's following me. So if, if, if his children and his household is following him, they're in good hands because him, Abraham, he's what? He's following me. So in following their father, they're going to eventually learn what it means to follow their father. That's why I believe most of the problems in this world is because of the fatherness. Because we haven't had fathers to model this. So we've had generations that have skipped over that which fathers were to model. But scripture says that he, what, he gives back that which the locust has stolen. He brings back the years, the days. What does that mean? For anyone in this room, it's not too late. Our God is a restoring God. And he's... And he will restore your family and he will restore your children back to you and you back to your... And in what authority do you say that? In the authority that I've experienced it. I told my daughter in the car, we're going to go to church. And her first words out of her mouth is, church, abuelo. <laughs> 15 years ago. If that would have been me 15 years ago, that would not have been said. We're going to church. Maybe another name. Maybe something else. But today, the restorer brought everything back. So when my daughter finds out we're going to church, they said, I will. Because God can restore. 
God heals. God does miracles. Some of you are experiencing it right now as this word is coming out. Let's get into this. For I have known him in order that he might command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord. Whose responsibility was it that they keep the way of the Lord? Him, Abraham. That they keep the way of the Lord. Abraham, I'm giving you that responsibility to do righteousness and justice and that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. I love how the New Living says it. I have singled Abraham out. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. And then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. What does that mean? I come through, but you need to come through. My coming through will be with your coming through. Yes, God is sovereign, and yes, God is this, and yes, God will do it. But don't think for once that there's not a responsibility on your side. I'll come through, but you better come through with what I've given you. You better do what I've called you to do with your sons and with your sons' sons. Children's children. And a children's glory is their father. Man, in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15... Yahweh spoke this into existence. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's speaking to the serpent when everything happened in the great fall. And he says, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here is the father in the Old Testament speaking about seeds being planted. And one day that seed was going to be alive. And when that seed produced he was going to bang your heel up. <laughs> right now, it's a seed. But when that seed comes out, it's going to mess up your foot. He, he's speaking about a seed here. Specifically, what he's speaking of here is an offspring. He's speaking about descendants and descendants that come from that descendant. Hope I don't confuse you guys after everything I just spent time doing. But in John 3, another very popular and famous verse is this one. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. His only begotten son, his one unique son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Can I, can, I, can I give you an explanation of what all this stuff means and what Genesis 3 and John 3, how it coincides and how this stuff parallels and it's united together and it's interweaved and, and wind and, it's, and it means something so special to us. Here is what it means. Ready? That Jesus Christ is the seed that produces much fruit. And he is what? Scripture calls him the what? Jesus himself is the firstborn of many sons. And when I say sons, I mean sons and daughters. Scripture says that Christ is the firstborn of many to come. You and I are sons of God because of the Son of God. The seed brought forth many more sons and daughters. The Bible says that we've been grafted into the tree in Romans. It says that. You've been grafted, you've been sowed on, and you become one with the tree. And who do you think that tree is? It's Christ, the seed that is producing much fruit. 
And the branches now are, are being grafted in, as Paul tells us in Romans. What I, what I mean to tell you according to Genesis chapter 3 and then in the New Testament, John chapter 3, is that the Father, Father, our Father who art in heaven, right? That Father, our Father planted his seed who is Jesus. And many more sons and daughters came from him. What, what, why, am I, why am I closing with this? Because can't you see that the that the heart of the Father was always to bring forth growth. He didn't just bring Jesus and say, may he be the only one. He's the firstborn of many more. So, so what does this mean? His heart is for growth. His heart is for multiplication. His heart is for more people to know about him. What does this mean about us? It means that we follow our Father's doing. It means that what do we do? What do we do? Church, here it is. We remain faithful. And we plant. And we water. We plant. And we water. Their growth, their maturity, will come from our faithfulness in the continual planting. He'll do his part. And he'll bring the growth. He told Abraham, in Genesis 18 to do righteousness and justice to do what is right and just and I will do for you all that I have promised the growth and the promises of the Lord they are yes and amen I believe that but your faithfulness and your planting has to continue because of what you're called to do you model, you model, you model your father don't stop modeling him Imitate him. Dress like him. Smell like him. Think like him. Be a son of your father. And do as he does. Plant. Water. Let him bring growth. And let many more seeds come to fruition. Let much more fruit come forth. Come on, he chose you. And fathers, he chose you. He chose dads. Don't stop planting. Keep going at it. Amen.